Welcome to Unlocking the Fitness Industry. I am your host, Jake Abel. I'm a two-time natural pro, a cellular athlete, and we're going to find the best way to get fit, to enter your competitions, and to look your best. So, here we go. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another podcast, guys. Here today, we have someone I've been trying to get on this podcast for so long, but he's been too good to show his face. Um, so I finally tracked him down. And his name is Liam. Um, you may know him, Liam Fitz on Instagram. He's been around the comp scene for quite a while. Um, a very successful coach. Funnily enough, the first time I ever met him was there was another guy because I was winning a lot of trainer awards. There was another guy that also was winning a lot of trainer awards in ICN. And every time I started to go to shows, I'm like, I just want to beat this guy. So we, we started to build this rivalry. And now we're pre- pretty good friends. And I like to beat him every time there is an ICN show. So welcome to the podcast, Liam. Jeez, that's a good, pretty good intro. I do remember 2014. I think uh, I saw you up there winning these awards. And I was like, who is this guy? Don't like him. Don't have time for him. I'm going to beat him. Next comp, I would hope to have people going up against you. And it's been an absolute pleasure doing battle, as we say, all these years later. Every show we're going to war and that keeps us pushing and making sure that our clients do well. But there's love behind it all. And it's such a, like a healthy competition, which we'll go into today. So I wanted to get Liam on today because what we're going to do is get the good ideas between him and I. Um, we're both very successful coaches in ICN. Um, Liam's also an athlete. He's competed quite a lot of times. So there's going to be some absolutely insane uh, bombshells dropped onto this one for sure. I'm sure of it. So Liam, give a little bit of an introduction about yourself to the people that may not know you or have, haven't been in through the comp scene as much um, about what is your story? Well, firstly, yeah, thanks for having me. It's um, always a pleasure. Love chatting to you about everything, building knowledge and getting better as we like to do. Um, I'd like to consider myself as like someone who loves education. Like I, I'm a lifelong learner. I just want to be better in everything that I do. Um, and I want to surround myself with people who are also good to be better. Um, but yeah, I got into um, personal training by mistake. I was going down a nutrition route. And I started working at fitness first and I realized um, that, you know, most of the trainers didn't really know what they were doing or didn't really care or didn't really have any passion. Um, you know, it was, to them, it was just a quick way of getting money. Um, and I, I started to, my passion started to build and it started to build. And as I started to get better, I realized that I didn't know anything and I didn't know anything about anything and personal training and getting people results and down to general um, weight loss is actually quite hard and very uh, suspicious to the person. So I set out to become better and I wanted to learn from other successful people. To me, I, I, I want to walk the walk as well. I want to um, know what my clients are going through. So for me to do these things, and obviously you're the same as well, um, we do these to, to become better. The probably the one difference between me and a lot of other coaches is I don't think I'm athlete centered. I think I'm um, I'm centered around my clients. So 
I get more nervous when my clients are up on stage than when I'm up on stage um, because I know that's kind of my responsibility or, or could have I done better or could have I done more. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. I've been a PT for a, a long time now, far too long. I've worked at some good places around um, Australia and right now I'm at Enterprise Fitness, um, a master coach and I'm located in Richmond. Yeah, so... What I want to first go into is like, you're more of a face-to-face -face coach. Um, obviously, now you've been around for quite a while in the coaching scene. A lot are going online. What's the major differences or the benefits you find with face-to-face -face versus something like I do with online? Yeah, I think when being an online coach, you need to, be, you need to have everything structured and you need to be good at it. I don't think people who do face-to-face -face coaches should just become an online coach just like that. It's not going to work because, I mean, if you, if you have a look at what is involved with a face-to-face -face coach, you're basically assessing the individual and identifying the client's goal um, and then basically building a time frame to help that client get the result and achieve what they want to achieve. You're also slowly working on creating new habits and obviously getting rid of bad habits um you're collecting data you're listening carefully you're monitoring what's happening um you're basically problem solving a lot of things and you're always focused on helping the client um get the final outcome for example if they want to lose 25 kilos that's that's what they want to do or they might yep. want to fit into a size six dress now if i've only ever done this face to face how hard is it for me and, and am I going to be able to give that client 100% if I haven't been doing it that way for a long time? Um, so that was my first point of the, if you're doing face-to-face, -face, whether you're, if you're an online coach. Um, can you do it as an online coach? Yeah, sure. There's been, there's hundreds of really good online coaches. I train with an online coach. Um, but I'm also a little bit more experienced than the average. And I, and I think as an online coach, it's actually that much harder. It's a lot harder because you've got to collect more data. You can't miss anything. You can't actually see the person. You can't look at the person in the gym and go, okay, they're a bit flat or, or they're, they're a bit anxious. They're not, they're not really feeling this workout or they're dropping weight too quickly. Yeah. Um, so I think online coaching actually doesn't get enough credit, especially the good online coaches who are like people like yourself who are, um, bringing into people into condition year out and year in, um, and you know they've got they've got a good reputation. I think that's something that's very hard to do, and that's personally why I only take on a few online clients. Mm. And when I do take on online clients, it's a very lengthy process to see are these people the right fit? Can I help this person? And can I get them to where they need to be to be better? So. Yeah, I think, I think those that are switching to um, online coaching just because of COVID, I think that's quite I think that's silly. I don't think people should be doing that. Yeah, and it depends on the athlete as well. Like, I know some people only pretty much need PTs just for the push because they're so advanced. So online co uh, coaching does work for, for them, but the everyday person walking on the gym or they find it hard when they're training to get motivation, having that person there pushing each rep, making sure that, you're going all out is just an absolute benefit as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like obviously a little bit easier for you with what you've done over the years. 
Um, and you do tr- attract uh, like a, an athlete, I would say. Whereas mm. most of the coaches, they haven't put in years and years like yourself where, you know, they might get uh, a general pop client and for one, their movement pattern might not be as good as say yours yeah. or mine. Um, you know, let's leave the gym alone for a little bit. Their food choices, they might not be eating mostly whole foods. They, they might be not meet, meeting their basic nutrients needs. They might not be staying hydrated. Um, they might be, you know, having sugar drinks every second drink or something like that. Their eating behaviors might be off. They might not be eating mindfully. Um, they might not know their own hunger, fullness cues. They might not be able to separate their foods, feelings and, and binge eating. And the list goes on, like exercise. They, they might not be meeting their regular exercise. They might not even know how to train. They might not be managing their training load. Um, you know, recovery, food and cooking skills, life skills, mindset, all these things come into play. Yeah. And if you're not a good online coach, you're going to miss things and you're not going to get the result that the client wants. And it's just going to be bad news. It's actually going to hurt your name. Yeah, 100%. And that's the biggest thing. Like, even just you just seeing that everyday PT, like even before they're into gyms, just like, oh, well, if I throw online coach into my bio, if I throw this, I am. It's like, it's, it's a big difference. All those dot points you did go into just then, like, and that's like surface layer of what we do as coaches, especially on the, like, that's, I'll even put like a lot of that into the general population side is what you have to get. That's not even comp prep. And then comp prep's a whole different kettle of fish. Like, yeah. and then, then you got the whole like mindset and all that behind it as well. Um, first question is, uh, how did you go down? So you started at fitness first, you started as a PT. How did you kind of work your way down the competition side niche? Oh, good question. Um, I was always interested in it. Um, and what I wanted to know is, well, really how it started is how can I get better results? How can yeah. I get, there are people out there posting on Instagram, posting on Facebook. Um, I'd see it on the internet. I'd see good trainers do it. And I'm like, how are these guys getting good results? And how am I not getting good results? What am I missing out on? So I thought, okay, in order to be better, I need to get people leaner. I need to get people bigger. I need to, I need to do these things. So I worked at a few gyms that didn't really do um, comp prep or weren't really getting a lot of people for comp prep. Um, I had a few friends that worked at Enterprise. I went there and that's where I really found the love for comp prep. Um, and what I did was, funnily enough, I had a girl that came from another coach. Um, the other, the, she wanted to compete in figure and um, it was like 16 weeks out. She was kind of ready. She was in good shape. She wasn't in bad shape. And the coach said, she's not going to make it. And I said, oh, well, hang on a minute. You, pr- you probably can make it. Um, we just need to change some things around. So I ended up increasing her food, um, ended up increasing her training volume, slowly manipulated things, got her to stage, and she ended up winning. And I remember, as you probably do, the first time when you're on stage and, and you're getting your trainer award, and it's just like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. Like, I'm in front of all these people in the, in the crowd right now. I've got my first trainer award. It's in figure. This is unbelievable. And I think that's what really fueled the fire for me to become better with comp prep, really. Yeah. So something you said there is like you increased her food um, coming in after like, that's something I actually hear a lot as well. Is like coaches will tell people they're not ready. Um, 
And that's something like, I'm like, well, 16 weeks out, how the hell are you going to even know that? Um, technically, you can do do a lot in that time. 16 weeks in a world of bodybuilding is like a lifetime, really. Um, so the main thing is, is where did you learn how to, say, increase the food? Like, technically, if you look at evidence-based science, that's going out of a deficit, but she's going to respond better. So where was that kind of, like, I always call it the PT handbook, Sometimes it's very rule of thumb and things like that. Um, where do you learn your kind of competition methods and how, how the body works? Um, so I probably have a different way of approaching nutrition with clients. I'll kind of explain how I do it. Hopefully it makes sense. Um, but I just want to add in one thing to what you said before is, and like obviously it, people don't understand the actual time frame of what the body can do in say 10 weeks, 20 weeks, 30 weeks, 40 weeks. And I think what happens is um, obviously ICN, IFBB, WBFF, they're very well marketed. And I think what happens is there are a lot of people that preferably don't have some of those skills that we were talking about before, like mindset, life skills, food and cooking skills, exercise, eating behaviors, you know, those things under wraps. And what might happen is they go, they see their friend compete and their friend competes and they go, hang on a minute, I can do that. That looks really cool. She looks awesome. I'm going to yeah. do that. Jake, it's 12 weeks out to the October show. I need to do it. I'm 25% body fat. I need to do it. And as a coach, you're like, hang on a minute. No, this is probably not the healthiest way to do this. Here's what you actually need. You need... Um, 20 weeks of dieting and you need to start a baseline and we need to slowly come down, you know, five or 10% each week until we're at like 20, 30%, see what's happening to the body. And every week you're making assessments. And what I like to do is I like to actually um, bring the calories down slowly over time, but then bring them back up and then bring them back down. Mm. Um, and I think what I've seen a lot in the past is people just slash calories, slash calories. You're on 600 calories, cool, cool. Let's increase your cardio now. Bang, bang, bang. And it's, it's not the way. That's, to me, that shows that people haven't planned out a prep um, for the right time or that client's just not ready to do a competition. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard to tell someone that they're not ready. Yeah. Um, but back to your original question, um, I've always been interested in nutrition. Um, I've been studying it for a long time. Mm. But I think... I think you can't beat the, like if you have a look at the best coaches in Australia or the world, they've all gone through some sort of dieting process or some sort of comp prep or some sort of life changing experience. Like they were, they were overweight. Now they're lean. Um, yeah, I agree. They've, they've, like me, particularly if you have a look at my uh, like body type, if you, if that's what you want to call it, I sit between like an endo meso. Now, if you know what that is, I'm, I mean, I basically, I, I do gain muscle mass okay, but I can gain body fat really, really easy. Mm. So for me, getting quite lean, um, I wouldn't say it's hard. I mean, when it gets under sub 10, it's always hard, but it, it's challenging. Now, if I didn't know how to do that myself, how can I help other people? And how do I know what works? Does that make sense? Yeah, so like I always, I've always been told that is like, you're almost like a billboard for your PT as well. So like advertisement, I always kind of feel a little dodgy on um, coaches that don't like, uh, 
they're telling their clients, they're doing comp preps for their clients and they've never competed before. So like, how do you know what it feels like to be in a super deficit during peak week and things like that? And they're just expecting them to, they're doing crazy shit like cutting sodium a month out and things like that. And you're just like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree, agree with that for sure. Yeah, on one hand, you like you want people to learn and, and you want more competition at the comps, but I mean, it, like it again, we're saying that um, you know this is this is people's health also. Yeah. So it's like, and that's know, something and, I think more, now more than ever with uh, social media and how easy it is to get a PT qualification. PT qualification doesn't necessarily mean competition qualification or nutrition qualification or they understand how the body works or things like that and like you kind of said in in your intro like i think if people are looking at coaches and doing things like that is like look at their results talk to their past clients um are they consistently bringing in conditioned people what are the preps like um and then yeah and then make your coaches like that even for me like when clients are like trying to work out if I'm the coach for them and they start sending me like heaps of questions. They're like, sorry for so many questions. I'm like, no, you need to shit test every single coach. And I'm like, I understand that more than anyone. I want you to go and ask these same questions to five different coaches and you're going to get a good feeling on who's doing it for the right reasons, who's doing it for cash. And it's like the difference between the good ones and what I call serial box PTs. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Like, I mean, that's the reason why you've got as many clients as you do. Like, people see how passionate you are. Like, I don't think I've ever been to an ICN when you haven't been there. Yeah, it's been crazy. This is the longest because of COVID. Um, longest time I haven't been to an ICN show in five years now. <laughs> as, as a coach. Yeah. I think I took I think I took a I think I took a year off from ICN comps. I had a few IFBB competitors and WBFF, but you just can't really beat the ICN, can you? It's just such a it's very it's very vibey. I like it. Yeah, and yeah, taking that year off, I was like messaging you like you need to come back. <laughs> I'm winning too many shows. <laughs> awesome. We'll get we'll get you in November. Uh, that's it. Wait until season B. Um, that's going to go perfectly into this next question is um, the difference between like, cause I'm mostly natural um, bodybuilding. I have had a handful in others, but I actually haven't been to, I've been to a handful of IFBB shows and things like that. What's the difference between a natural show and an unnatural show other than the supplement enhancing enhancement, but the feel of it, the mindset of the shows, um, you've definitely probably been to, but more to both of them. Mm, yeah, I think. Um, Plus you've competed along, along both of them as well. So. Yeah, definitely. Like I think what ICN do really well is they, they make it like a uh, family event. Like everyone's there for each other. There's plenty of people supporting you. Um, People coming up to you left, right, and center going, wow, you look amazing, this, that, whatever. Um, and I think there's a lot of first-timers there as well in the ICN. So I think it, it makes a, a better vibe, a better show. Um, I think at the IFBB is still a great show, um, but people are there to win. And yeah. I think ICN focuses a lot on the athletes. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's probably the main two. I can't really... Like, I like both the shows. I like how they're both set out. Um, mm. They're both very, very different. I think that, like, willingness to win is a big one as well. Like, I know ICN, a lot of people will, like, talk to other competitors and do all that, and everyone's kind of happy to be there on the day. Um, it's, yeah. They're there for the top five, and it's not so bad. I think that top five makes it a little, little more healthier competition. Um, and then like, I've had a little touch in with a model search of like IFBB and like the thing I found backstage was just like, no one talked to me. Everyone was just like, you are the enemy game on. Um, you can't even really go backstage at the IFBB, which, which I understand it's not as big, but it would be good to be with your athletes, especially if you've got someone going from like ICN to IFBB, it's always good to be there for them and just give them reassurance, make sure they're okay, make sure their tan's nice, make sure um, they're looking nice and full, they're lean, their bikini's right or whatnot. Um, but that's what I really like about ICN. Yeah, um, you're pretty much there until you like hold their hand and then until they're on stage pretty much. And I think like ICN put the coaches as well. Um, they're very clear with the coaches. They've got the coaches awards and they get them up there because it like they kind of say it's both of the journey. Um, and it's good rewarding the coaches as well because I think, like, obviously we put a lot of time into, you know, planning out maybe 40 weeks. You know, we might do a 20-week uh, gaining phase where we're working on some weaknesses. Then we might move into, like, a 20-week dieting phase where we're slowly manipulating the calories um, until peak week where we, we have them ready hopefully a few weeks earlier and they're just humming along nicely for those last couple of weeks and then we, you know, execute peak week perfectly. So I think a lot goes into it as a coach as well. And it's good that ICN have recognised that. Yeah. Yeah. And it also gives them that little bit of like, gives, I guess like it is very rewarding as a job, um, getting people up there and pushing it. But then also then like, I think like the best, best coaches are also competitive. Like anyone that gets on stage, um, they're already competitive nature. Like I don't lose at anything. I'm the same with competition. I'm the same if you verse me in a game of pool um, or that I don't lose. <laughs> and so it's just like, I think it just keep, keeps that drive of like getting the coaches to like keep, keep it going. And um, like, it's not just us. I see some coaches just like, they're not really there at all with their client. Like they don't care if their client plays fifth. They don't care if they place first because they still get paid the same at the end of the day. Um, where you and I are very not like that. <laughs> I think if you have a look at ICN at nationals, um, you know, I've watched a few nationals over the years and the, the ICN quality is getting absolutely, absolutely yeah. out of control as well. I was looking at the under 70s in the bodybuilding and I was about 70, I was competing in uh, under 70s in the time at the IFBB and I was going, Jesus crikey, none of these guys would place at the IFBB we'd all get done by these ICN guys. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how would I go up on, against these guys? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm just going, oh, Jesus. So, like, the quality is there at national time for ICN. And I think yeah. at nationals, when you've got all the states coming from, you know, Queensland, Perth, whatever, where there's, you know, some, some good athletes, then, then you really see a competition in the ICN. It's a bit more, um, we're here to win this, that, as opposed to Victoria, which is what I know most, um, yeah. as, as well as you, you know, it's, it's always friendly. There's always laughs. Most of the long-term coaches know each other. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and that's, that's what, what makes it really pro fun. league as well. Like as soon as you go in the pro league, that like the whole fun of it, people placing second aren't happy with that. Like pro league things just get more serious, which is good because it does have that step up as well um, from that. Well, funnily enough, similar to what you were saying before, the first year I competed in the pro league, I was um, I think I was like sixty five kilos or sixty six. I competed under seventy. I came back the next year and I came third in that comp. I was really shredded. I had shredded glutes I was really really shredded I was like I'm not big enough I need to work harder so that year I worked so hard and I came into the next year's comp um, for the Arnold qualifier and I was I think I was about 71 I just crept under 70 Um, so I and I was pretty much I was about the same um, percent body fat I was pretty lean and I was like obviously I gained like five kilos and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going I'm to cruise into this show. I was judging off last year's Arnold's winner. And I was like, yep, I'm going to cruise into this show. Look how much bigger I am right now. So I get to the comp day at the um, Victorian show. And I'm looking around and going, where are the under-70s? <laughs> and, there are four, and there are four massive, massive guys. And I'm going, what the <laughs> hell? Under-70s already on. Are you guys under-80s? What are you guys doing here? And they're like, no, we're all under 70. And I'm like, to one guy, I'm like, nah, you're not under 70. <laughs> Ended up coming fourth or, or something that, that competition. And I had made so much progress. And I was like, fuck, how can I be, when I re- was reflecting, I was like, how can I be angry at myself? Because it's about the process and how far I've actually come mm. in a short time. And that's what I think a lot of people forget, like, especially first time competitors. How far have they actually come? Yeah. How much better are they at? You know, what we talked about before with the, you know, eating habits, the training, the recovery, um, food, cooking, prep skills, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a good lesson for everyone to just focus on on process rather than um, the end result. And that's always yeah, going to make it much more. And that's just something with. like I try and put in the head of a lot of my guys as well is just like in the end, is you can't control the standard. You can't control the people that show up on the day. Um, you could come in the best you possibly ever could come in and then there's just some freak of nature just comes out of the blue and um, wipes it out. So it's always, as long as you put in everything, all of the prep, like you want to kill it, you want to come first, all of prep, then on the day, there's nothing else you can do, really. It's just carve up, look pretty, and uh, then just put your faith into the judges and just hope, hope for the best, really. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, being a posing coach, though posing, some people love it. Some people absolutely hate it. Yeah. Some people enjoy the process. Some people absolutely hate the process. Whereas, to me, I think like I would rather diet a little bit harder because I actually like the challenge. Mm. Um, me personally, I never want my fridge full. I want it half full because I, I always want to be a little bit hungrier in life. Like in whatever I do, whether it be study, work, um, anything. I, as you said before, you don't, you don't lose. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a mindset that like, people need to have more of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I actually said like I was kind of like going for when I won that world, world title and prepping for physique. Like even my <coughs> mindset there, I was like, this is actually should be like the easiest, like even though there are a lot of good competitions, but there are also a lot of people softening out. And I think people are just actually getting softer and softer. Um, like, I, 
I don't know about your methods, but for me, flexible dieting, like if I see they're, they're saying they're flexible dieting in their profile and they're up, up against me, I pretty much like write them off. Um, straight up like I guess it can't, can't like healthy flexible dieting is very different to trying to fit ice cream in peak week um, but like I, I, that's just for, for me consistency wise like I'll dot all the eyes I want to push it even though there is so much good quality there is also so much like kind of like people weakening out I guess in a way yeah no I actually agree 100% doesn't sound too nice but I think people are looking for the easier option. They, they want yeah. to do the easiest things. Now, with what you said before with uh, like macros and stuff, like can people do that? Yes, absolutely. But there's people that just take the piss. Yeah. Like I've got plenty of, of females that know how to use it. And it is quite hard that, you know, logging everything and this, that, whatever. Um, but it can be done. But even up, even four, five, six weeks out, I'm still almost watching very closely what they are eating. They're, they're on stricter guidelines. And, you know, by that time, they, for, for digestion purposes, they should have switched to mainly whole foods anyway, or even mm. low foods for digestion purposes anyway, because the lean, and the leaner you get, the more you notice things when they go wrong with your body. Like you might have um, orange juice and you might be bloated. Or yeah you know something like I find that. like and oats like oats and sweet potato um react very differently even though technically they're both a complex carbohydrate they're going to react so very differently uh like sweet potato yeah 100 percent. yeah so like i actually find it will like lighten up coming into the last couple of weeks i'll swap my oats out for sweet potato and it's going to be easily digested you're not going to bloat as much um and that works with majority of my clients which i found as well um but it's just like i think we're we coming with that as well is like it can be done but it's best practice in the end it's like i always tell like my clients I'll, i will work harder than you when i prep i give no on my plan because it's not sustainable i have a very different life to everyone else i can train for five hours a day but and that's pretty much where it goes. I'm training for five hours a day. I'm sauna. I've got a sauna in my house now to, to make sure I am like punching success. Um, but yeah, it's best practice to suit that client. Say if a client struggles to stick to a meal plan, they're not going to last 20 weeks. Well, yeah, flexible diet up to the last four um, and do those type of things, then get a lot serious. Um, but there's, there's quite a few things. Like I don't know where your morals lie. Like I, I find, yeah, there are people that, it's like the difference between like what I find a lot now is coaches putting steps in. And for me, I'm a big advocate of hit. Like I love hit. You go ask to grass, work it out 15 minutes, run, burn as many calories as you can versus someone that's like, I burnt the same amount of calories doing 2,500 steps in the day. Mm. Like it could be done, but I think best practice is for me. Um, and what I found through like my philosophy um is definitely like go, going hardcore like even though like the hardcore hits and things like that yeah i yeah i i don't see a problem with what you're what you're saying there at all i think it comes down to two things um now obviously depending on the clients whether say like if i if you come to me and I review your nutrition and you've been under eating for a year. 
Mm. Um, and you haven't been eating a lot of food and you've already under, under eating. Um, that isn't going to work well long-term. So, yep. so I need to bring your food up. So, so then food um, hit, hit cardio might come be very handy. Mm. Now, if you've got a lot of weight to lose and you've got a short time to drop it, hit training could be good. Now, if you're in pretty good shape and your calories are getting a little bit lower towards the tail end of prep, um, which for some people like myself, I like to call it the sloth end mm. of prep, um, they might not be able to do cardio, um, high-intensity cardio, because you know doing burpees and, and running and stuff might be a little bit too much on their joints. What, what, what I want to make sure is happening, and this is why every case is different, is, yeah. is that person recovering? How is that person performing in the gym? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And if they're performing well, cool, let's do a bit more cardio or let's increase this or let's do this if we need to. Yeah. So, for example, if week one, I start you on baseline. Week two, let's just say theoretically, right? Week one's baseline. Week two's minus 10%. Week three is minus 20%. Then I might go next week to baseline, okay? So that way there, I've just manipulated your food intake, nothing else. I haven't changed anything else. Yeah. Week four, I might go baseline and plus uh, minus 5%. Then I might go minus 10%, plus I might increase something. Maybe like, say, 2,000 steps or something, or maybe five minutes of hit or something small, seven minutes on the exercise bike, whatever. Then I might go minus 15, and I might go a little bit more cardio or something. Then I might go uh, minus 25 or minus 30%, something a little bit more, but I might push it a little bit harder as well. And then I'd come back to baseline. So I'm basically watching for, and I know you do this as well, we, we watch for adaptations so we can make change. Yeah. I would rather um, be proactive with results rather than reactive because what I see a lot of the people do is um, they might set calories at 1,600, they might leave you there for three weeks and then all of a sudden, especially with online coaches who aren't doing their job, you might have just wasted three weeks of this person's time because yeah. they might have dropped weight in the first week and then the next two weeks they might have just you know, stayed, stayed around that body weight. They might have not progressed weight. We don't know. So I always try to be a bit more proactive with results. Um, but to answer your question in full, cardio, I think, I think it's person dependent. Um, me personally, I like a little bit more moderate to lower, um, lower intensity cardio towards the tail end of prep in the off season when, you know, food is ramped up and you can, um, handle that higher intensity and, and you're working a little bit harder, then sure, I love things like the spin bike, um, the rowing machine, or I've got them at my house. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff is great. And it all has a place, whether it be for good health, cardiovascular, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I think with training and cardio, um, what a lot of people need to remember is that all cardio is still a stress to your body. Yeah, like yeah. If, you go for, if you go for a run right now, your body doesn't know that you're running to, to drop a kilo or to, to look good. Um, you know, it's like the same as you're running from a, from a lion or like a, something like that. And you're like, I've got to go. I'm like, this is a stress to my body. What's happening? So this is why nutrition 
cardio training go hand in hand because they all link to each other. Mm. And like just when you went over things like that um, about all like on your rule of thumb of going into that deficit and things like that, that's the rule of thumb in the end. It's like, well, this person might not respond and then they might not do this or they might respond too quickly or so it's just knowing as a coach how to best guide it in to make it the least stressful. Like I try and say like, my comp preps should be the most livable. Like that it shouldn't be in the end, like comp preps shouldn't be that hard. You're going to be pushed to your limits, but you shouldn't be starving. Like you shouldn't be absolutely waking up dead. You shouldn't be avoiding your friends and doing all that because you're so wrecked. Um, and that's where like, I know you being a um, IFBB bodybuilder and things like that. Like I always kind of say in the back of my head, I'm like some bodybuilding plans that I've seen are absolutely fucked. It's like, seven fish meals a day, nothing but lettuce and a protein shake and that's it for the day. And you're like, and, and they're like 12 weeks out. And you're like, what? <laughs> um, so necessarily like a bodybuilding diet in the way that like that bodybuilder obviously preps himself isn't going to be great for a bikini girl. Um, goals, physique, everything different. And that diet that you just said there, you know, the typical fish and, and lettuce or whatever they do, you know, that doesn't just, that happens in every federation. Like I know I've seen WBFF pros that have been doing that. I've seen people do it in almost every federation. And, you know, these, these are experienced coaches themselves doing that. And I think I've been on both sides of the, the fence where, at times I have dieted hard. I have done a lot of cardio. I have really pushed the limits. Um, but as you said, and what I do now is I, I look for the, the easiest way to do things. And and how does that start? By planning out the prep, really. Yeah. You know, assessing the individual, seeing their starting point, creating a time frame. Mm. And I think if if like and to give you guys or the listeners a bit of perspective, if someone's reasonably well with body fat. Um, like for a guy, maybe like between 15, 20% or something like that, maybe 20 weeks would be a very easy time frame for them to get lean, um, yeah. providing they've got enough muscle mass. Now that they should be typically ready within like maybe 16 weeks with a couple of weeks to just make sure everything can be going good and to make those last few weeks a little bit more enjoyable. I, I try and bring up the calories going into peak week. Anyone over, and obviously the more body fat you have, the more it can take. And, you know, I've had, I've had some people that are really overweight that, you know, they've been in and out of deficits for up to like 52 weeks. And I'm talking about females of like general pop over 100 plus kilos. And it's, you know, it's a slow process with these people because one, you're working on habits, you're working on so much. Um, but these things don't need to be rushed. Yeah. That's true. Like putting that, maybe there's so many, I always say this to people as well. There's so many shows in Victoria. It's no, like what, if you push back one show, you're waiting a month because <laughs> um, there's always an, another show and another show. Like we're lucky in Victoria. We do have so many compared to other States that might only have one a season um, and doing things like that. Just another question has just come off the back of my head. Um, I do see a lot of coaches using recomp. Um, do you, have you ever used recomp? Do you have any, opinions on things like that like recomp is in i think the it's like a powerlifting making pbs during comp i've seen 
some some uh, people going for like PBs for their deadlift because I know you do do a lot of uh, deads and stuff like on peak week, throwing up some crazy numbers and things like. Any any uh, tips or anything on the, on the recomp? Just this is my interest now. <laughs> um, first of all, with uh, like deadlifting, um, what I like to look at with most people is like a stimulus to fatigue ratio. So. And what I mean by that is when the food and the calories is up, that's when I'm doing the big bang for buck exercises, you know, like the squats, the deadlifts, the this, that, whatever. Compound movements. Yeah. As I get as I get closer to comp, I'm trying to do things that give good pumps but aren't neurally taxing on the body. Um, there, there's a big difference between um, a leg extension and a heavy barbell squat. So I'm looking at how I can best match um, calories with training output in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In regards to recomp, um, like I have used it a couple of times. Um, I think the software is unbelievable. Um, I think it's quite good. I think like the way you can make nutrition plans with it is second to none as well. I think it's real quick and it's awesome. Um, the calculator I think is, is it high? I had like, I remember once I used it, I had like, um, 473 kilos on the leg press for like 47 reps. And I was like, uh, -uh. <laughs> my knees will blow out or something. I'm not this good, yeah. but I have seen a lot of, a lot of people get some good results off it. So, you know, and this is where it comes down to, like, I don't really want to, like, I started off, um, very polyquinish and then I went very bodybuilding and now I'm somewhere mm. in the middle of you know all these kind of guys and i think what works for some might not work for others um and there are many ways to skin a cat so i don't want to be uh i don't want to like knock anything um because i know they work like i've, I've seen or coaches use it and get results with it yeah um is That's it my preferred seen sorry in the last uh couple of uh like maybe in the last 12 months to 24 months in with coaching and it's like tribalism when they use their methods and it's like this is the what my way or the highway this is the only thing that works and if i'm flexible dieter i'm only flexible dieter or i'm only keto or i'm only this and i think that's a huge huge thing is it's like there are many different tools it's just knowing which tools best to use you're not going to um use a hammer on a screwdriver and things like that you've got to, got to have the knowledge to know which one that's going to work yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think it comes, I think the best way to put that is um, the more you know, the better you'll be. And with saying that, the more you can educate and the more you know, the probably the better your life will be as well. So for those that are saying like, especially with nutrition, nutrition is probably the best one to look at. Yeah. We got keto, we got vegan, we got carnivore, we got paleo, we got whatever. Um, you know, there's probably new ones out there. I don't know. Whatever else, I'm not. I'm probably not up to date with what all, with what's out there. But look, how how are you feeling on this diet? How how how? What are your goals? Digestion, energy, sleep, all these things come into play. And I think if you're limiting yourself to like a, a vegan or an, if it fits your macros or or whatever, I think I think you're already behind. And you know, I'm going to keep on getting better. If you're going to be thinking like that, that's fine. You keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that, that is the difference. Like, 
we're, we're, we're kind of there and we're just like, oh, well, I, I kind of like like people that are so tribalism as coaches like that because it makes our job easier. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's quite funny. Something I've just written down that you kind of just touched on then as well, which was the more you know, the more you like, I don't know about you, but the more you knew, knew and the more you dived into the fitness industry, like I went into doing like even my PT course while I did my diploma in fitness. And as I started it, I was like, yeah, I know quite a lot about training and nutrition. Anyway, I did this and I was like, I know nothing. And I came out of this PT course like, I have no idea. And it's also like, I've been now a coach for six years now, an athlete for seven and um, a PT for like over 10. And it's like, now compared to like, I just realized how much you don't know about the body. Like the more you learn is like that ignorance is just growing and growing and growing. And it's quite funny. Yeah. It's like, if you have a look at like, just what it's like to be a good coach, for example, like, let me, let me think about this. Um, you need to be positive. Mm. You need to, have respect, you need to have compassion, you need to be able to see clients' potential and value. Um, you might, you need to have assessments and observations, you need to gather information, you need to have understanding, and not all clients are the same. You need to be a motivator. Um, you need to be monitoring and measuring everything. Um, you need to have solutions. Um, you need to skill build. You need to be able to get appropriate progression and regression if you're going too hard. Um, you need to analyze things. You need to be an outcome-based decision maker. Um, you know, all these things, that's just some things on being a good coach. Now, that's not even touching nutrition, mindset, yeah. training, reps, sets, all this stuff. And then it's like, the, the thing is with PT courses is, you can do one in probably, what, what, six weeks if you really wanted to? Yeah, people are banging them out. People have done them in COVID, two months. <laughs> yeah, legit. So, so it's like, on top of all that, now, and you, and you brought up oats and sweet potato before. Mm. Now, we could sit here and talk about digestion times of oats being six hours and sweet potato being four hours through uh, the small intestine and, and what it does and this, that, whatever. But then... You know, like someone's uh, gut health or mitochondrial in the stomach could, is different to yours, is different to mine. So how do we know what oats are going to feel like with that person and this, that, and whatever? And then it comes back to, again, people wanting to do these comp preps in 12 weeks. How, how is a coach supposed to figure out all of this information in 12 weeks? Mm. You know, there's a key reasoning of why lifelong competitors or... Um, people that are always trying to be better, like yourself, like if you have your progress every year, progress for the last seven years, yeah. there's a reason why you've got to where you've got because you've kept pushing, you've kept trying, you've kept learning, you've kept wanting to be better. Yeah, I agree. And there's so much, I think like it's bad, like new coaches, new PTs, athletes. Now there is now this wealth of information and it makes it so much harder to kind of, there's that much that it confuses people now. Like I'm like, I always say, I'm so lucky that I came up in the fitness industry when I did back when there was like hardly anything. Like I just used to have to go through bodybuilding.com and because it was all very sports related and 
um, all of this type of stuff. So I've kind of watched it all come in and then I can shit test everything that comes in and be like, does this fit for my philosophy? No. Okay. How does this go? No. Yes. Maybe I'll take a little bit of that. Um, and then watching pro athletes and what they do and what all those good results do. And I know like if I have a biggest question, it's like, I'm not the wealth of knowledge when it comes to a coach. Like if I do have a question, I'm like, or someone asks me, um, something and then i'm like oh maybe i'll like go go ask someone like you someone like in my close knit like circle um and you're always upskilling in the in the end like it's not directly going to be a journal article that i'm go, going to look at i'll be asking the people that are in the field um you have your collective data of people as well um this person has their collective so like that's where i'll bounce off other coaches and it's just i think that not having that ego is just like a major part of like being a good coach yeah that's the difference like you're committed to practice um like of lifetime self-development and education and that's what really makes you better mm. just back to something you said before on on macros what i like with people eating a bit silly one thing that i don't really understand or get is like empty calorie foods like uh, candy, alcohol, sweets, full sugar, soft drinks, um, things like that contain few nutrients, but nutrients are needed to metabolize them and they replace healthy foods in our diets in a way. Um, so these foods, they have like a, an effect on the digestive system in a negative way. Um, for like an instance, uh, like sugars, they feed like candid bacteria and parasites in the stomach. Um, and things like even tobacco as well, obviously um, suppresses a lot of antioxidants used for good health. Yeah. Now, you can't say that things like, um, I don't know, what's an empty calorie fruit? Like a, a Mars bar is going to help you be an optimal version of yourself if you're trying to do a competition, they just don't go hand in hand. Yeah, I agree. Like maybe generalized, whole different game story. But what I say to my comp prep clients is like, cool, if you're a race car, which you're a machine, wanting to win a race, which is a comp, are you going to use 99 octane or are you going to use 80? Um, so the difference between your different types of good carbs, bad carbs, high high calorie dense volume foods which is going to keep you full for a long sustained period or just a sugar insulin spike to crash on your ass um so i try and edu educate that way um but yeah, yeah that's, i do something similar i think i use a uh reese adams used to use a uh coal train analogy the more coal you put in the faster you go he used to say i was yeah. like oh yeah that's that's true <laughs> um you but, as an athlete so just uh, take, taking a little bit of a U-turn, you as an athlete, how do you, like, I always get this as well because I'm also an athlete, balancing athlete and coaching at the same time. Um, so how do you go with, I know you did your Arnold prep and that while coaching. Some coaches don't prep because they're, they uh, don't take clients on when they're prepping. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I think if you're not taking on clients when you're competing, that. One, that takes out half the fun. Two, <laughs> I think that's just, I think that's just low. Like, that, you're, not putting, you're not putting other people first. You're not trying to help other people reach their full potential if you're 
not taking on clients when because you need to do a comp. Mm. Some of my best competitions I've been in the same process, the same, and I'm actually a better coach when I'm getting ready for a comp. Hundred yeah, percent. I can't even. I can't even tell you how much like it's just another. There, there are levels to coaching, and and when you're in that zone, um, and I can't really explain this very well, but you you take it up a notch, and everything gets more serious, and you know, those that are there on that same journey with you, it's, it's kind of like a... You're leading the way. Yeah, in a way. So you have to be good. Mm. And I, I think when I look back at some of my clients and it's like, oh, okay, cool, yep. Like some people, some have done cardio, some haven't, some have done a lot of cardio. Um, it's like, I'm doing cardio, they're doing cardio. I know what you're going through. I'm going through it as well. I'm on the lower calories, you know this that and whatever and it's kind of like we can do this yeah all of that together i'm the same i always i always say oh like i'm gonna lead from the front so i'm out there doing exactly i'm more relatable i'm um we're all going it through together i think like yeah some of the best shows that i have is like because i bring that team that comes in and does it with me and get on stage with them as well so it's kind of good because you've got compassion in both ways as well they can't just be skipping a day of cardio because they're like, well, my coach is smashing it out. So um, they, they, they almost, yeah, respond a lot better as well. Yeah, 100%. I, that's one thing that I think a lot of people um, that don't compete, they kind, of, they kind of miss. They kind of miss the hard work. It's very easy to sit on a couch and go, you know, you do that hour of cardio or you do that 30 minutes of cardio. Mm. So, and it's the times that I've competed with, with clients has been, it's been fun as well. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's always good. I reckon. Yeah. So taking it off um, with, obviously you've had a lot of clients, you have taken them through to stage, things like that. How do you go with say a client doesn't do as well as they thought they're disappointed down. Where do you kind of go as a coach on that side? Um, I mean, there's, there's two parts to every story, of course. Like now the first thing I, I look at is, um, what could have I done better? What could have you done better? Mm. Are, are you talking about like, if they're not dropping, like how I would like them nah, to? Or? So they get off stage, they wanted to win. They didn't place. Oh yeah. Look, it's like, you know, a couple of times I've had females and I've gone, and I don't do this anymore. And I've gone, you are going to win. I know yep. this, you are going to win. And then they've come second. Mm. And it's like on any other comp day, they probably would have won. You know what I mean? Um, and this did happen to me with, with a bikini girl that I had. And it's like, look, you're only there to become a better version of you. And I mm. think that's how you need to look at it. It's kind of like asking me why I'm a coach. It's a pretty meaty question. There's a lot to it. Mm. I think it's all about how you can become better. And if you don't do as well as you think, what can you improve on for next time? Yeah, taking that feedback. How can you do better next time? Building it. Feedback is a good thing. It, it's, it's a learning tool. And if, and if you're not open to feedback, like a lot of people aren't, um, you're probably never going to win. So I wouldn't even bother. And that even comes on the coaching side as well. Like I'm number one with like, I always tell my clients, if I'm doing a shit job, tell me. Like, there's no point just keeping it quiet and then just going, this isn't working out, peace. Because 
you weren't listening to me here and this, this here. And you're like, well, I didn't know that at all. Um, feedback throughout coaching, throughout competition, that's absolutely number one. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think it's definitely a two-way street. Definitely, as I said at the start. Mm. Think, well, like, if I was coaching someone and I wasn't doing a good job, I would love for them to tell me. Like, yeah. Liam, you're shit. Like, do something about it. Okay, cool. Like, let's, let's go. Let's do this. I'll be better. Yeah. That brings us to healthy competition in the sport versus the negative. So, um, obviously, comp prep does come with a lot of benefits. It also does come with some negatives on it. Um, even ca- coming to us, like, where, where do you kind of draw the line that it could overcome more negative? So, like, post-comp, um, those type of things, people getting obsessive-compulsive over food, food binge eating, food obsession, um, things like that. Mm, okay. So... Sorry, could you just say the question one more time? Yeah, so have you found... I'll, I'll re- reword it better because I probably just mumbled it. Um, yeah, having your clients say, if you have a client, let's put it this example better, um, is coming in, they've got three weeks left and they're obsessing over food, they're complaining every day, they're struggling to get up, they're not motivated. What type of things can you do to kind of go from that negative, like obviously there are a lot of negatives when it does come into comp prep and things. And ha- how can you like, what signs do you look out for? How do you help that? And things like that. So you've got three weeks left as well, maybe two weeks. Yeah. So look, it's with knowing that and people who chronic diet is an, another good example for this as well, just in a different case, but say if you're three weeks out and you see the obvious signs, you know, People are stressed, they're anxious, they're not sleeping, um, performance is dipping a lot. Mm. Then it's, and you know, look, they might be in maybe like a, a bit of a deficit, they might be doing it a little bit tougher. We don't know actually what's going on around them. So, and what I mean by that is what's happening to them at work, what's happening to them at home, what other stresses are they carrying on top of um, their prep, their dieting, their cardio, and all this stuff? Because all these little stresses add up now things that i would do is if it's not too bad and i I think like it's something you need to have a talk to your client or person about and it's not just something you push through because it's not normal it's something that and i've done this many times hey um such and such or they might come to me and they might go hey look i'm feeling a bit stressed um blah 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 cool let's have a, a couple of high days or maybe baseline days whatever Take three days, four days off training. I'll check in with you every day. We'll see how you're going. Generally, this is enough time for them to relax, de-stress a little bit, and they might start feeling a little bit better. What, what I don't want to do is stress them out even more. More cardio, more training, more this, that, more whatever. Really, most people can probably afford to have, unless they're really running behind on their prep, which probably is the coach's fault because they haven't prepared the time frame right. Um, which I've seen heaps of times, by the way, and it's it's terrible. Um, or people that just do not really love comp prep and they're just there to get up on stage and get makeup on and blah, 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 which I'm against as well because I want to win everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I usually try and drop training volume. I try and focus on recovery like sleep, um, 
and obviously bring up their foods. I'm, I might, I may give them a couple of off-plan meals um, as well as bring their calories up just so they can recover, start to feel a little bit better. If it persists, um, I'll bring their calories back up and I'll start to build on their calories. I'll aim for something else like a photo shoot or something a little bit less taxing. Sometimes yeah. the, the time frame um, of a competition actually Hard, yeah. scares people. But this is why I, I tend to generally do like even a dieting phase. I have, you know, three or four high weeks. Um, I tend to do the longer, longer dieting phases anyway. Yeah. So I feel like. That's another thing with the like rule of thumb of you got to know your client in the end. Like they, you got to know yeah. when they're actually hurting and when they're actually stressed versus where they just need a push and they need a motivation hits. And um, yeah, there, there's times like I know some clients that will be like, Oh, I'm stressed every week. I need a cheat meal. Um, so, yeah. It's the same as people who are like are chronic dieters, and I'm talking about people that diet twenty four seven. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've had girls come to you, or particularly girls, guys that have been eating, you know, eight nine hundred calories a day, and they're like, I can't drop weight. Yeah, like why? Why can't I drop weight? And these people have been on lower calories for like way too long. They have a mindset that they they can't relax or can't increase the calories to what would be a maintenance phase for you or I. Mm. Um, they're trying too hard to diet and um, obviously it doesn't work long-term. Things, things start going wrong. And in extreme cases, we actually see um, really hard, drastic um, calorie restrictions for like no results. And I've seen yeah. this happen. And you're kind of banging your head on the door going like, why can't this person drop anything? Like what's going on? Mm. And even these people that have been dieting for so long, they're probably even gaining weight because um, nutrients coming in at like one meal or, or in the small amount of calories they have, their body's trying to hold on and store these nutrients as like a way of survival. Yeah. And then there's obviously people that like swap between like keto, carnivore, no, no fat diets. Um, but they, they do everything but basically be consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've probably seen that. Like, yeah, and then they like... They sometimes binge and indulge in foods and, and like feel a bit guilty about them, but their mindset is coming off a diet, going onto a diet every like six weeks, every two weeks. And this is like another issue that you were just talking about of people that are going to accumulate fatigue and so, uh, so long lead on to really bad health problems. Yeah. So that takes us to the next one health, uh, health in bodybuilding. So, Coming in, doing like a prep, um, long time, going into it, um, especially say on the female side, you prep a lot of bikini girls, figure girls, things like that. They lose their period coming into it. Um, a lot of these health factors that people might not know when they do start a prep, um, like obviously you're looking insane, you're looking shredded, but it's not the most healthiest um, way to be in this, especially in the last couple of weeks. Um, so how do you kind of prepare your clients for that? Yeah. So this, this question is the question that most people forget. Yeah. They, they, they want to, they want to look good in the bikini. They want to look great up on stage. They want to win whatever. Um, but this, the prep, the competition date 
this starts years before you actually even make it to stage. And it, and it comes in with things like um, prepping for the prep. And in particular, yeah. where are your calories at right now? 12 weeks before the comp, 24 weeks before the comp, 52 weeks before the comp, you know, even up to two years before the comp. Again, how long have you been, where are your calories at? Where are your macronutrients at? Um, you know, are you getting enough variety? You know, fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. Um, you know, things like B12, B8, and Ostol, all these things help. Um, you know, so are you deficient in any way? But really, prepping for the prep is important. Yeah. It's no lie that my best clients that have won or whatnot um, have had a good base before they started. Mm. And I've had them for 40 plus weeks where I've been able to make sure things are okay, like their calorie intake is high. Yeah. Um, blood work is good. All these things like play a part. Um, even then post comp as well. So like I thought I like to, even if like my clients don't take it, I'll always give a like free post comp, like whole plan anyway. Like even as a part of peak week, my whole peak week, I'm talking about post comp because it's like, especially with the girls, um, re coming into making sure that their hormone profiles come back up afterwards and they're not just going to completely blow out on simple carbohydrates low macronutrient type of foods um and then yeah just controlling then the post comp because a lot of the time they're like i want to do another comp and then it's like well (laughs) we almost want to make sure that we're putting in the good habits straight after so we're not going down the blowout side or things like that as well yeah and i think like as a first time competitor or photo shoot or anything like that, I think it is a little bit harder because mm. if you generally sit at say 20% body fat and then you get to 9% body fat and your body fat has always been around 20%, that's a completely new world for you. So you don't understand what's happening to your body at that, sh- that time as a first time competitor. So there is a, there is a chance that you will, um, you know, want to eat, high, it, it, especially if you're depleted from a mineral, you'll, want, you'll crave that food. Um, so I think the better you get at this and the, the, and the more as a coach you can educate on what's going to happen to first-time competitors by doing the process yourself, helping other people do the process and obviously getting education, getting them ready for what's about to happen yeah. will help as well, if that makes sense. And I think you've probably seen this because I've seen it. Um, you know, the better you get, the more muscle mass you have, the, mm. the easier it is for you to diet. The, mm. I, I think it does get easier. Yeah, um, and I think the, better, the more you do it, and I can, you know, I've been sub 10 a few times now, it's quite easy for me to get there. Once I get there, it's a little bit hard. Um, but the first time, it took me a while to get there. I was struggling yeah. a little bit. I was... I remember the first time I, I was, um, I wasn't even, uh, the first time I competed in the pro league, I was pushing it so hard. I really wanted to do well. Um, one time, uh, my sleep, it was a bit off one night. And I just ate some oats and maple syrup. And um, like, I just kept, I just ate them. No biggie. And I was like, why did I do that? I couldn't really. And then the more I understood about sleep and um, meal timing, nutrients, the better I got at not doing these things or, or preparing for these things. So yeah. I think, I think it's just also 
the first time you die, it is it is like a, a new world. It's a it's a foreign thing for you. Yeah, it's where experienced coach, experienced people around you, and obviously having good people at home, a good support network, all these things come into play. Yeah. Post comp, I always try and catch up with my clients for a coffee um, if they're going on holiday or or taking some time off or whatnot, um, and give them their post comp plan, which is. Depending on the person, I, I, I like to come straight back to baseline if I can. Um, you know, obviously, you're going to gain a little bit more body fat that way. I would rather not slowly bring the calories back up because they may have just been dieting for 20 weeks. I really want to yeah, get them yeah. there as fast as possible. Um, but every case is different. I don't really have a set plan for that one. I think the more I know the person, um, I think with my personality, I think people that understand me, they, I think they know where I'm coming from. Um, and obviously I want them to do their best, but I, want, I don't want them to sacrifice anything. Yeah, and that's true. I'm, I'm, I agree with the bringing back up after dieting, especially depending obviously where their calories are at. If they're like low, you're going to bring them up slower. But like I, I, especially my figure girls, I find like my figure girls are just like, they come in and they're on like 2,200 calories in peak week. So I'm like, well, Boom, straight back up the baseline. You're not going to have a problem um, in your metabolism. So coaching during this time, a lot of coaches have, uh, or PTs are struggling. COVID's got this headlock around uh, a lot of the whole fitness industry. What have you learned during COVID, which has kind of helped you throughout your, for your coaching and then like that you've learned over this time pretty much? So surviving yeah. this is like, really one of the it's one of the hardest times obviously in probably i reckon in all of the fitness industry like there hasn't been a time that we've hit it such a hard recession or anything like that um mm -hmm. yeah is this going to yeah. change your say the way you coach or your business plan or the way you think about money or anything like that or i know a lot a lot of pts are trying to diversify and do things like that no i i, I don't think so at all uh, what the, the one thing that I will um, say from COVID is the people that the true diehard coaches mm. um, are always going to be diehard coaches. You know, coaches come and go all the time, as we've seen throughout the years. But when I saw all the hardcore coaches, you know, like people like from ICN, IFBB, whatever, they were all carrying on as normal. Yeah. They weren't trying to do... Um, 20 people Zoom classes or this, that, whatever. You know, as I said before, what did I do? I went out and bought equipment. Why? Because I couldn't actually do anything else. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was earning a lot less. Um, you know, we, like, as a, as a team at Enterprise, everyone was, like, working towards something in their own way. And my, my, my scenario and the clients that were with me, I started off with, with a barbell and some plates. And I ended up with nearly like a full gym undercover. And yeah. um, it's, it's, it's like a cool story because we found a way to get results. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to carry on. Like I, people competing going, hang on a minute, all my friends are not competing now in November or October at the time or whatever, or Vegas or whatever they're, they're doing. Should we stop? I don't really want to stop. No, I'm not, I'm not, we're not going to lose. That's not what we're doing. We're going to yeah. barbell. This is what we're doing. Okay, cool. We're doing this now. We've got lap pull-down machine. We've got leg curl machine. We've got, we've got dumbbells. We've got this. We've got that. Okay. And it's like, you know, 
There was a time when I was doing so many sessions in my car park in my house. Um, for people that just they just they just blew up, right? People wanted to train. I almost got kicked out of my apartment. They tried to threaten me with like a I was on like a public space or something. And I was like, yeah, whatever, like cool. Some old man, I must have um he complained. But you know, I didn't think I was that was to me, that could have been the end. Like, oh sorry guys, this guy has complained. I have to move now. No, what did I do? Rang up one of my mates, moved all the stuff into his garage, bought more stuff. (laughs) Now these clients are like, they're ringing me up. Hey, can I just train on my own at five o'clock? Yeah, sure. You've got that result to get. Go do it. You know what you're doing. This is your program, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think same with you. Like, you know, you've found a ways to get by as well. Pull up bars. You got, you got barbells, you know, and credit to you because you know, I bought stuff, um, but I had good people around me that also helped me. Um, one of my clients saw how passionate I was and got me stuff, gave me barbells, gave me this, gave me that. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's... And I guess, like, when you have good human interaction, people are going to go out of their way to help you as well. I think that's the number one part of being a good coach is, like, the human interaction you do have. Um, I know definitely good, like, some of the best coaches... All of them, are, everyone's super friendly because they're all very, very in tune with how they are with people and things like that as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I like, we'll always find a way, no matter yeah. what happens. Yeah, and you're in, me, we'll always find a way. It's the same with the people training. Like, if you're willing, if, you're, if you have trained and made this work through COVID, well, when we get the gyms back, you're going to be a better athlete. You're going to be a step ahead. You're, nothing's going to really stop you when you do get back. Same with the coaches. If they've worked their way around, they've made things that If they can survive through this COVID time as a, as a full-time coach and doing things like that, they're going to be here for the long term when it is easy. And it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's just a part of like us as athletes. Like you hit a, hit a speed bump or you hit a mountain, you're not just going to be throwing the towel and give up. Um, it's just built into us. Yeah, hundred percent. It was a time where a lot of people were looking for someone to step up. Mm. And in our case, we had a lot of clients and a lot of these clients are looking for some sort of direction. And, you know, you can either go, nah, sorry, we're just, we might do a park session. I don't know. See what happens. Or you could step up. You can get some barbells. You can make it work. You can do whatever you can to, to help get, you know, the clients and results. I've had people drop um, eight, nine kilos in this time. I was 85 at the start of COVID and now I'm 79. And my abs are coming back, which is good. I was really trying to get a bit bigger before and I didn't really want to start dieting so quickly, but I thought, you know what, if I'm not dieting now, who am I as a coach? I need to be doing this for the people around me. Mm. So yeah. yeah, I've gone down six kilos, which is good. Um, a little bit slower than what I would like to, but I've been enjoying the time as well. <laughs> Just those Netflix and chill <laughs> sessions. Um, so this leads us to the, my last question. I'm really interested to hear your take on this. This is something I give to athletes and um, other coaches, but I want to hear hear on yours because you're so close to kind of what I do as well. And that's if I'm going to put it as a client base because it makes more sense for you. So. Um, You've got an empty client. You want to give them the best results to be. They want their pro card. They want to be a world champion. 
Um, but you do have some of those clients that will measure everything out. They'll, if they go one gram over, they put it back and they're so disciplined and strong. And so like what I've been trying to work out, especially with this podcast is bottling up that like champion mindset that absolutely everything, um, and then putting it into in bottle, um, and then giving it to a client that firstly comes so they can just drink it and be like, bam. There, there they are. They've got everything. So what would the top three ingredients that you would put into that bottle to give to your comp prep clients that are going to be up there on the pro? If that makes sense. Um, I think it does. Yes. So the first thing I'll say is um, if you're after average, go somewhere else. We want precise. We want precision. We want the best. Yeah. Um, we also want hard work. I think if you start to do, if you have, if you have that as a foundation, as an athlete, you're going to go far no matter what, because you're always going to get better that way. Um, the second thing I'd like to say is know your body and know your time frame, and know what foods do and don't work for you. That'll make it a lot easier, especially when in the dieting phase. And the third thing that I would probably like to say is, as a coach, um, you know, know your principles. Mm. Your clients has principles that you give, but they also give you principles and that's going to make the team a lot better. And you guys will know exactly what you need to do, what the athlete needs to do and what the coach needs to do. It's almost like being on the same page. Yeah. Communication. Obviously things like as the coach, for example, knowing what enables client X to change. Um, knowing why people resist change or they want to, they may want to resist change. What do people think they need and what do they really need? And what level of challenge can you do this client? Uh, can you give this client? One thing that I think helped me quite a bit with this was I would almost level people one, two, and three. Three is your diehard comp prepper, one's a beginner. And it's how can I get all those people to level three where they're self-sufficient they know what they're doing they know how to train um you know it's just a simple tweaking of programming and nutrition and, and they're good to go you know i want everyone to be educated and to be able to get the results themselves i never want to really babysit someone i, I want to see them grow as a person as well yeah and that's a big thing like the underlying key factor is like technically a coach you should be educating like they should get to the point where they, they, they've almost soaked up so much of you that they, they can go do it themselves and they just need that double overcheck. And um, that's where like I kind of find that the hardest thing to find is like, how do I bottle up? Like I have those diehard clients is that you put them in levels. What's that level for? Like, how do I make my clients on just like those ones that are willing to walk to the gates of freaking hell? Um, and then trying to give on to that to someone who breaks their diet every week and things like that, that are on a comp prep and struggle. Um, yeah. And it's trying to work out, is it something that's taught or is it something that's DNA inside that athlete? Yeah. I think some people have it within them mm. and it's kind of like, I don't know if you've seen some of those, the powerlifters, you know, lift the heavy weights and there's, yeah all those guys around them and they're all yelling at this powerlifter to lift this weight. And it's like, yeah, this is good. I'm going to go train now. I'm going to go lift some heavy stuff. Yeah. Everyone has it in them. I believe. Mm. 
it's it's how you bring it out of someone. And this again, it comes down to as a coach, like so many people. This is a really good example, by the way. So many people, experienced coaches, have told me before that such and such isn't going to win this comp. Mm. Don't even bother with them. Such and such isn't going to win. Guess what? They always win. They always place. You know. And when someone says that to me, and I've seen something in this client, um, it's almost like, don't talk to me because you can't see this person's true potential. And everyone has amazing potential if they want it. Yeah. And they've got to want it. And that's the main thing. But that will be give a perfect wrap up. Um, Tell the people if where they can find you, where they can see our battles on show day and follow the stories um, and all your results. Yes. Thanks for tonight. It's been really fun. Hope to do it again. You can find me next up on stage beating the big fella. Probably a few overalls as well. You can also find me on Instagram, Liam Fitz, Liam underscore Fitz. And obviously in Richmond, if you're ever around, around that part of town. And where, where do you train out in Richmond? Um, I train at Enterprise. I train all over the place, really. I train out of Enterprise Fitness. Um, Doldies sometimes. You know, I'm a bit of a gym hopper. I like to... <laughs> I'm like a kid in a candy store. I just want to train everywhere. Every <laughs> bit of machine, every equipment. Just hop, hop, uh, everything. And you can also find him at the local donut store. Um, you've got a, what, donut time in Richmond? Do we? I don't know. No, I, think I don't know if we do or not. <laughs> Depends on the comeback. I never go to Melbourne. I'm anymore. more of a grilled kind of guy anyway. Uh, that's where now we're talking. But it's been <laughs> awesome to catch up with you. Um, go follow Liam. Give him a what's up. And we'll see you on the next one.